Computer, initialize Holosuite. Episode of the Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 5, Episode 11, The Darkness and the Light. Before we continue, you can find us on Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and X as the Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct. And as I say, every single week you should find us in Fargo's because... This is the best show that you're going to have about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, in my opinion, uh, out there. No now, bias. barring there is w- no <laughs> bias, there is there is one other podcast that has a slight leg up on us. Uh, I'm not going to tell you which one it is or why they have a leg up on us. But if you're a fan of Deep Space Nine, you probably already know what it is. But next to them, we're the best. So come and listen. Enjoy. And you get stuff. We have a contest going on right now. So if you enter our contest, you get to win. All right, so we're going to get into that, of course. We're going to tell you how you can win, um, which is basically just, uh, what is it? You got to know the key phrase. That's what it was. Know the key phrase, write the key phrase on the video to be entered into the drawing contest. We'll only say the key phrase three times in the episode, so you got to be paying attention, and then that is that. We'll get to all that, of course, later on as we get into the show. But before then, as always, let's check in and David. How was your week? Week's been good. Um, yeah, it was Christmas last. This past I was going to say, yeah, so, I guess yeah, we could just say, how great. was your Christmas? I mean, this this episode will be airing after both Christmas, obviously, and New Year. Uh, New Year. Mm-hmm. So, um, any exciting New Year's resolutions on your <laughs> on I don't your mind do right New now? Year's resolutions. I mean, oh really? I mean. The, the most classic one is, of course, lose weight, right? But, you know, everyone always jokes about how they always give it up. So I, my opinion is, like, if I ever am going to commit to something, I got to commit to it in the moment, not wait till the new year to half-heartedly make an attempt. Um, so, no, but Christmas was fun. Got to see uh, my nieces last year. People might remember I was sick with COVID during Christmas, so I had to uh, be home and do it over Zoom. And so this year they will actually be with family, which was nice. Um, got my new light as people might have noticed got a new light and uh got several books including masters of the air which is going to be the new band of brothers style show coming out on apple plus at the end of january so look forward to reading that here soon started nemesis games not quite yet halfway but i'll be done with it by this time next week so um yeah, it's I'm I haven't watched the season again yet. I've already watched the fifth season, you know, when it came out. Uh, but I, it's fun comparing in my head what the show is like compared to what the book is like. I look forward to rewatching the season because 
Marco Inaros is a great character. So go ahead. Don't do it. Don't do what I did, which is get to the halfway point and you just can't wait anymore. So you start watching and you say to yourself, "I'm only going to watch halfway." And then before you know it, you just blasted through the whole thing. Yes. And you're and now you're reading the next half of the book, but you've already watched the whole season. Right. And it's it's not the same. Right. It's not bad, but yes. it's not the same. Right. And I and I I kick myself every time. But you know what? I've done it every time. I say I'm not going to, and then we get to the next book and inevitably it happens because i love i I, and that's the i think that's the other thing about it too like i love this series both in book form Mm -hmm. and in tv form that's that's extremely rare yeah for me anyway but yeah 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 the books are are fantastic and the reason i like the show so much because i feel as i've said many times i feel like the show is like their second draft like you know they have a second chance to go at the the plot and uh sometimes i think they improve it uh, sometimes you miss some things; they make some changes. But like Drummer shows up, we got Drummer in the book, and it's like, man, she's more of a character hey, in the show. But spoilers for people who you know, <laughs> ha- or maybe reading along or haven't watched the show yet, or okay. whatever. Oh, my um, but yeah, okay. So there, you get one mild spoiler from us. But don't worry, because we're gonna go in great detail on this book um, right. later on, like after David reads it. Probably will be. Maybe like end of January, maybe beginning of February, just so we have, just so we have a couple of things that we need to like finish, like the other After Dark that we did, and then this and, and some stuff. So yeah, but that's probably when we're going to do it. But we'll let you guys know all that, of course. So don't right. don't get mad, right? All right. <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, just work has been good. Yeah, there's the there's a joke, and you might remember this, Perry. You know that the last week of the year is the thirteenth month. It's been feeling like that for me. <sighs> It's been busy this week. Like, it was kind of dead the last couple months. And then this week, man, it's like everyone was holding out, waiting for to buy those presents for family. And now they got things they got to take care of. So that's been a nice, pleasant experience because it was kind of dry for a little while. Hopefully it doesn't drop down again anytime soon. But, yeah, it's been been a busier week this week than it has been in previous previous weeks. So, yeah. Well, that's that's good. I know for myself, I don't talk about work uh, very much, um, but this week has been, uh, it's been busy, of course, towards the end of the week. It's like people kind of realized, oh crap, it's the end of the year and we have all these things that need to be filed and whatever else, so we have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my busyness is not the same as you're like, you're enjoying the fact that you're busy, whereas I'm like, guys, you literally had all year and now trying to have massive amounts of paperwork filed in the 11th hour it's just not going to cut it like you know so many requests that were coming in for example and everybody wanted all of their requests to be rushed and priority and i'm like we just don't have the ability to do it right some of these things literally take days to process because it's not just you know say one person who's checking it it's a couple of people in different departments and Mm -hmm. everybody has different schedules and so forth and it's like yeah but i mean you knew about this for six months, so don't come to me and be mad that I can't do it in 48 hours. Right. You know, so that's kind of been how things have been going on the work end for me. Um, home-wise, uh, for those of you who have, again, been listening, I have been moving. I'm just about done. This should be um, by this time, as I said, next week. So it'll be two weeks, I guess, for some of you. Um I'll be done. I'll be completely moved in, and now it'll be all about really kind of decorating and hanging things up and putting stuff where they need to be and all the other kind of stuff. But uh, right. there'll be no more back and forth, which I'll be grateful for because it was—it's a bit of a drive. Like I mean, in in 
relative Texas terms, it's not that much of a drive. But for normal people outside of this ginormous state, right. it, it is. It is. You know, uh, like Texas I, I, is larger I, than a large, a good percentage of countries in the world. So yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing when I moved here, I had to adjust to. I was so used to where I was from before. You drive, you know, 45 minutes in a given direction and you're in another state, you know, or you've even passed through a city and maybe a city and a half, you know. In Texas, you can drive for 30 minutes and still be in Austin, yeah. let alone, you know, in the, sometimes even in the same neighborhoods in some in some instances, so it's yeah. ridiculous. But um, yeah, suffice to say again, all that's almost done, and I'm thankful. Um, I am a big resolutions person. I don't know why. I <laughs> I, think, I feel like I always have been. Sure. Um, you know, like I get excited about New Year's and re- and making resolutions and all that stuff the way other people get excited about like birthdays and um, like Memorial Day and so like that. I, I don't know why. But, like, I do take a lot of time with resolutions and I like to, like, really think through them. And the closer we get to the day, the more I'm like, I want to make sure I have, like, you know, substantial ones, you know. And so, yeah, that classic of let's get fit and lose weight and whatever else. Yeah, no, I feel like that's, like, my every day is just wanting to be healthier. So I'm not going to waste a resolution on <laughs> or waste a, the brain power on a resolution of oh i want to lose x pounds right. by whatever that's that's stupid right. to me right. um if it but they, i mean who knows there may be people who that works for them they lose their first you know 30 pounds every year and then they spend the rest of the year gaining it back i don't know but uh <laughs> you know it doesn't work for me but for me this year um my um uh, resolutions were or are to uh i want to take at least two trips whether you want to call them vacations or day trips or whatever but i want to take at least two trips um with my daughter to something like a national park or reserve of some kind um we both really enjoy nature and in texas alone there's a lot of different um landscapes that you can explore and I realized, you know, I mean, she's going to be nine soon and I've lived in Texas for about 11 or 12 years and I've not done any of them. I've not gone to any of them. Right. And it's crazy to me that these, these are places I can literally drive to and, you know, haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also just say in general, I want to, you know, I think that's another resolution too is like, I want to travel more. But for me, I try to make it more specific and it's more like, I just want to be out more doing more things i didn't realize it but i guess in my old age i've become a little bit of a recluse and i don't go out nearly as much as you know uh maybe other people think that i should or even i think i should and it's simple things like getting together with friends for dinner or going to a movie or Mm -hmm. whatever like i just don't do it that much and i've used my kid as a reason for a lot of that and i don't like that so there's a little bit of my soul bear all confessional i realize i've kind of used my kid as a crutch there and i want to fix that you know right so yeah and you know, i think it's important to go out and also to show her that you know, you know you should have a life you should do things so that's that's that and i've got some others but uh those are the main ones right now that are the most important and um that's it um also since we're talking about like you were saying your your books and um uh, 
Nemesis games. As you may be aware, I know David's aware, I'm a fan of early 90s television. And uh, I have found yet another early 90s show to become lost in. This one is not nearly as long as ER, and David knows I, I was committed <laughs> on ER, man. How many seasons was it? 11 seasons? 15. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Even, even my seasons. brain couldn't quite handle 15. Yeah, 15 yes. seasons. Okay. So, um, but this show doesn't have that many. It only has eight seasons, but, um, and I guess we can still call it a 90s show, even though it started in the 80s. Just like we kind of do with like Next Generation. Next Generation started in the '86, but ran, you know, throughout the nine or not throughout all of the '90s, but you know, early '90s, right? Um, yes. So this show started in 1988, and it's called In the Heat of the Night. It's based off of the movie of the same name, the book of the same name, of course. You know, made famous all the way back in the '60s with uh, Sidney Poitier. Um, now this uh, this show features a. Um, uh, Debunker-fied Archie, um, played by uh, oh man, I just had his name, Carol. He, the guy who played Archie Bunker in All in the Family. Oh, I um, don't know the. His last name is Carol. I just had it. I just had Lewis? it in my head. No, no. No, Lewis Carroll. No, that's an author. I can't, man, I cannot believe I just forgot his name. It's going to come to me later <laughs> on the show, and you're going to hear me scream out his name, and please just don't stop talking. It's right. just because that's how my head works. Right. But um, anyway, he's in the show as the chief of police in this small southern town in Mississippi called Sparta, and they've got every which kind of crime you could think of. It's all, and it also is fe- featured in this, you know, with a with a very heavy racial prejudice backdrop and the show was you know considered definitely groundbreaking for the time they did a lot of things that were not just pushing the edge but jumping right off that cliff um i've really been enjoying i'm only in the first season so far but i've already really enjoyed what i've seen it's a show that i remember like my grandparents watching when i was growing up you know and uh you know just little bits and pieces kind of like again you know uh, er i never really watched it when it was on and now i'm getting the chance to it's on amazon prime if you have a subscription you can watch it um and i've already seen some star trek faces showing up in the episode in fact um our featured character for this episode that we're going to speak about tonight she was in one of the episodes i watched earlier today as a matter of fact a much much younger much blonder uh, Nana Visitor was in an episode of In the Heat of the Night, and man, like, I, I've always thought Kira was attractive, but um, yeah, you should go check out the, check out the still, she's, she's a whole different, she's, and, and she's doing the whole classic, you know, late 80s uh, women power garb, you know, and so it's, she's very styled in the episode, she's supposed to be very glamorous, very, you know, um, businesswoman pro- glamorous stuff and it's it's top notch so if you're okay. interested go check it out okay um but yeah so now i'm getting slowly but surely sucked down the rabbit hole of that show and enjoying it um it does take a little bit of getting used to because like i said started in the 80s so there are some things about it that are dated and um <laughs> also there's some language usage that uh, i was unaware of that was allowed back then that they would not get away with 
today at all. Interesting. I think it would be the other way around, but okay. Yeah, you know, that's what I thought, too. I was so shocked because I was like, I don't think I've ever heard, you know, it's, and again, you know, for the show, racial slurs abound, okay? I'm just going to let you know now. And That uh, that makes more sense, honestly. I was thinking, like, cursing or something, but no. Well, I mean, there's that, too. And then there's also um, the blatant police brutality for everyone. Um you know, there's there was an opening scene in one where the guy just police officer just backhands someone in the face and breaks his nose and he's all bloody and stuff and he's right there in the middle of the police precinct. I mean they didn't even like weren't hiding it in the jail cell. They're in like the lounge. And he just boom uh hits this guy and I was just like wouldn't do that on a cop show today, not unless there was like an extreme reason to be fighting and attacking this guy. But in this scene, the guy was already in handcuffs. He was surrounded by cops. They're all just standing there, and he's just... Is this like a hero himself. cop that's doing this, or like he's a bad yeah. cop? Yeah. Oh, wow. No, he's not a bad cop. He's oh. he's the... he's the Yeah, he's kind of like the big muscle of the police precinct, but he's the lovable muscle. Oh. And, who, and I'm like, lovable? I mean, he just like... And then a couple episodes before that, he like beat someone over the head with a gun <laughs> just like um, just the whipping <laughs> yeah it's like yeah so but if, so if you're interested at all go check it out just for the for your sake of blast from the past and how things were filmed and done then versus how we do them now it is vastly different those are the things that excite me about watching older shows mm-hmm. is being able to make those kinds of comparisons um it's just something we just don't see anymore at all you know so um yeah, if you're interested, it's on Amazon Prime. Again, it's in the heat of the night. And you can also watch the original movie, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, for no other reason, you, you should go watch that movie. Just go do that. If you had never seen the original 1967 in the heat of the night with Sidney Poitier, you should go watch it. Um, he gives a command performance that, oddly, he didn't win the Oscar uh, for, um, and, and he should have. I how you can watch that movie and not think, man, this is this is great. I, I don't know. I don't know how you can't, but whatever. Um, so now, as I say all the time, we're not here for all of that. We are here to talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the darkness and the lights, and we are already 20 minutes in. I apologize, <laughs> but here we go. So do you want to give the recap for this one, is or it, would you like whose turn is it? it? Uh, I think you did last week? Rapture last week. Yeah. Did I? No. Was Rapture last week? Rapture was last week. Okay. Did and you do it? I think I, think I did you it. did it. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. I, I can do this one. Yeah, I'll It was it a go. Cisco. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right, so uh, this one is primarily focused on Kira, which is great. Uh, Kira, uh, she, at the beginning of the episode, we see a Bajoran uh, uh, Vedic is in participating in a ritual of some kind one of the regular uh ones that they do but something kills him in the middle of the um the ceremony something comes out of a device and hits him in the chest and we find out he was killed by it uh kira knows who this guy was and so we find out um that she has received a message that has some sort of garbled that's one and so this person who was killed which we find out was one of the members of the resistance cell she was a part of uh and so now she's very concerned uh, you know someone that she knew and was part of the resistance cell has been killed they the person who apparently has killed this person is now uh telling her that's the first of however many that are gonna die so 
she's, she's, she's starting to be concerned about uh, assassination attempts on herself and others. But of course, in the meantime of all this, she is in the middle of this pregnancy that she's been uh, having on behalf of Keiko O'Brien, where she has been uh, pregnant with their child as a part of a transfer of the pregnancy to her, yada, 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 sci-fi nonsense. Anyway, um, so Kira, she hears about the first uh, friend dying. Uh, one of the other people from the resistance cell, someone who was a not an official member, but who was an informant from the Cardassians, uh, contacts Kira, very concerned, and asks for Kira's protection. Kira says that she'll give it, and she sends Dax and Worf to pick her up, but in the middle of a transport, uh, the transport is somehow sabotaged, and her energy signature is, is co uh, confused and distorted, and she dies pretty horribly in the middle of being beamed up to the transport, or to the runabout. Uh, and Kira gets another message saying, that's two. Um, then she later hears another message saying, that's three. Uh, the face of someone else she knows has come up, and she finds out that this other third person has been killed. And by this point, Odo has started piecing together some things. Everyone who's died has died as a result of some form of remote controlled device you know it's not in person uh this isn't an official assassin because they're not uh, they're announcing their kills they clearly are intending to scare kira with this information uh and so they're like all right we got to keep kira safe they give her a security detail uh when she goes back to her quarters which are again with the o'briens uh because she's staying with them while she's having their baby um she briefly thinks that she's about to be killed herself, but it turns out the two more members of her resistance cell, Furl and Lapuza, La uh, or Lupaza, as you say, uh, they... Lupaza. 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 They've uh, shown up. They all kind of embrace, and uh, you know, we're going to handle this together. Uh, but, unfortunately, while Kira's out of the room and O'Brien's out of the room, uh, the next day, they're killed. Something from outside the station had scanned for their signatures, figured out where they were, went to the window of the O'Brien's quarters, and blew up, killing them instantly. And so Kira has basically lost every member of the Resistance cell that she was a part of. Um, she knows that she's still being targeted because these messages keep coming to her, but with the help of both Dax and Nog, because Nog has his large lobes, uh, his earlobes, they are able to determine that the messages are using her voice, that the garbled messaging is, is using her voice in some capacity. Uh, using that information, they know that it's someone is targeting Kira in particular. Uh, Odo is able to narrow down the list of suspects to 25. Um, when uh, she uh, tries to go save her friends in the O'Brien's quarters, she gets knocked out and taken to the infirmary, and uh, Bashir tells her, like, you, you almost lost the baby. I stopped it uh, from having, having internal hemorrhaging. You're only a couple weeks away from having the birth. You need to stay on the station. Uh, he's been telling her to take these uh, herbs that um, keep her uh, healthy. And uh, she, instead of doing any of what Bashir says, goes to <laughs> Odo's quarters, steals the list of 25 people, uh, and erases it so Odo can't track her, and gets on a runabout and... Uh, goes to track down whoever she thinks might have done this. Uh, we uh, Odo goes to um, 
Cisco, and so Cisco sends Worf and the Defiant to go track her down. Uh, but she's masking her her trail. Um, we find her about. I guess a week or so later, and she's already somehow determined that at least three people on the list are not the ones that were responsible for the deaths of her friends. And she beams down into the into a building on some remote planet, where it's determined that this is the person who did it. It's a oh, it's a Cardassian who was uh, disfigured in a bombing that Kira uh, was in charge of, even though he was a Cardassian civilian on Bajor. Uh, they bombed the building of a uh, of a, a goal, and so he, this man, was disfigured, and so multiple people died, uh, multiple Cardassians died, and he's angry with Kira because he accuses her of killing indiscriminately. Meanwhile, he's only been killing the Resistance members. Every uh, death that he's caused has only targeted those whom he deems responsible for his uh, disfigurement and the deaths of the people he knew. Uh, meanwhile, Kira, you know, when she blows up a building, she kills anyone she can. Now, of course, Kira responds angrily that, you know, they weren't invading alien race. They were occupying Bajor, destroying the planet, and therefore everyone was illegitimately there and therefore a viable target. Um, but he says that, you know, she is guilty and that even though she's guilty, he's not going to kill the unborn child. So he's going to perform a C-section with her <laughs> awake she begs him to at least have some mercy and um, you know, sedate her first. But it turns out that the herbs she's been taking that Bashir had told her to take uh, keep her from being effectively sedated. And so she's able to overcome uh, this Cardassian and kill him in the process. Uh, the Defiant shows up, is able to rescue her, and Kira um, is shaken and recovered and taken home. Uh, so that's obviously the... Very simplified version of what the plot is yes. there. Well, a lot to talk about. So. But a good, yeah. but a good summation overall. And um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just, it, we're gonna have all this to go through. But uh, I think you did a good job. And um, this is a fantastic episode. And I know that we talked last week in Rapture about the story arc of Benjamin Sisko, but mm -hmm. this episode also features—I mean, clearly features—the story arc of. Uh, Kira, you know, you could almost argue that Deep Space Nine, as much as it is the story of Ben Sisko, of his, you know, true beginning and end, I mean, I feel like we can say the same thing about Kira. We've watched the development of this character. She's gone through a lot. And this is one aspect of her that we really haven't seen them touch on a lot. It's been mentioned sure. a lot, you know, yes, Kira's a terrorist or former terrorist or reformed terrorist or whatever term they wanted to use, but we've never really seen anything that kind of, you know, got into that background a lot, gave us the full backstory. And in this one, we get it in a couple of parts. We, you know, this, you know, this person who's attacking her friends is clearly doing it because of a, well, successful raid or strike or something that she was involved in uh, we later hear about you know her recruitment into the resistance and how young she was when she was recruited and her first mission right and you know lupus has stood up for her and got, got her you know got her a spot you know like these are great little tales that um, really you know round out this character who um is, is in my opinion, is every bit as important and powerful as uh, Benjamin Sisko's character and character development is to this show. So yeah, so let's 
get right into it. So the first thing I always like to ask, of course, is uh, first-time viewer David here. What did you think watching this episode? Yeah, this is definitely a good one. Um, in part because it's personal and the stakes are high. Um, whenever we, uh, Like I said when we first started recording, I like episodes that focus on a particular character and give one particular character a lot of uh, character motivation, drive, uh, change if necessary. Uh, Kira doesn't have to change in this episode. She doesn't have to go through like a personal journey of, you know, growth per se. Um, in fact, her arguments at the end of the episode are definitely the right ones. Where she's like, uh, "What are you talking about? About like you being upset that I like blew up your building? You guys weren't an invading, occupying force. Like, and you weren't, yeah. you weren't like, bu- bu- you weren't just, you know, benevolent, nice, you know, overlords. Y'all were pretty terrible. So." Don't um. <laughs> to hear Ducat tell it, they were the wonderful <laughs> parents of the children of Bajor, yes. and the children were unruly, but yes. Yes, yeah. I, I have to say, I'll just say it now, part of me was wondering, and I, I knew it wasn't going to be Garrick, but part of me was wondering, like, is it Garrick? Like, of all the characters we have on the station, he's the one who has a background in assassination, and, and if it would be, it'd be a twist on his character... I mean, it'd be kind of late in time for him to suddenly decide yeah, it, to it, do this. It wouldn't. But. It wouldn't make sense for Garrick, considering that every time we've seen Garrick do anything, it's been incredibly self-serving. Yes. And at this point, why would he? And he he's had preening. ample opportunity. He loves to preen after he's done yeah. something. Yeah. And he's had ample opportunity to kill Kira, and it's kind of been intimated anyway that um, he's a little afraid of Kira just you know slightly like or maybe she makes him wary I wouldn't say he's afraid of her but he's he's very cautious around her so I mean he's had the opportunity and obviously the means so no um it wouldn't be him right um but yeah I mean did you enjoy this episode at all like was it a like you said it was it gives you elements of things that you like Mm -hmm. but um do you feel like this is a an unskippable episode. Must you watch this episode? Um, no, I think you should watch it. I think it's kind of a must watch, yeah. especially for Kira's storyline. I will say yeah. this though: I find the Cardassian character that turns out to be the reveal. I think that was a mistake. I think it would have been better if it was a Bajoran. You were too casual about who you hurt uh, when you were bombing the Cardassians. If it was a Bajoran who had been harmed. You hurt you as much as you did for other people. You destroyed my life, and and make this character a Cardassian sympathizer on some level. You know, like the, they were doing the best they could. Like you, you couldn't like I don't know. Make this character some some like a Bajoran. Make the character somehow um, like a, a morally confused character. But making it a Cardassian is a little too on the nose. I feel like yeah, of course it's a Cardassian that was doing all this. I don't know. I'll do you one better. Yeah. I think that it should have stayed a Cardassian, but it should have been a Cardassian sympathizer who, after being hurt by Kira, is like, all sympathy is gone. I, you know, and their whole thing was, I was trying to help the Bajorans. I was right. even feeding information to different resistance cells, not right. just the Sakaar resistance. Right. Oh, that girl that was mopping the floors, that was passing you information. Right. Who do you think she was getting it from? Yeah, this exactly. Guy. Like, yeah, that's that exactly I would have. Right. 
you know, that I would have loved that tie in to make it just that much more of a shade of gray right. in here. Right. You know, because Kira says, exactly. you know, you are an invading alien force. You're all right. targets. And he's like, not me. I was helping you. Right. Like that would have been great to, right. to do there to add another layer of complexity. Yes. But uh, yeah, I, but the, I, I see what you're saying. But right. yeah. Because the problem with this character being the reveal, I don't know who this guy is. Like they when they right. first reveal him, he's all in shadow. And he's behind stuff like, oh. He becomes very one-dimensional all of a sudden. Well, no, it's like it, it's like the show is trying to be like, oh, are you going to recognize who it is? Is this someone that we know? Like, I'll put it this way. Okay. Back on TNG, there is a figure that we see from behind, and we see from weird angles, and we never see the face, and then finally we see who it is, and it's the daughter of uh, what's her face, the security Tasha officer, Yar. Tasha Yar's daughter, Sila. Yes, from season one. And it's a uh, in her character had been killed off in season one, so it turns out alternate timeline she had been captured by the Vulcan, uh, the Romulans. Yeah, timey wimey and poof child. Exactly, Got it. Exactly. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but what I'm getting at is like the reveal of that character was, oh, this actor who's been gone is now back. And it was character. She's now a villain. And it was shocking. It yes. was shocking back in the day when Tasha Yar. But Romulan stepped yes. forward. Yeah, she got it the was cut. She got like, the, the jacket. I was like, oh my god! Right, you know. <laughs> so, um, and say what you will about Romulan genetics, but apparently human genetics override everything with the Romulans. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, Romulan right there. <laughs> yeah, real blonde. Yeah, real blonde, real blue-eyed yep. <laughs> Romulan. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's so many jokes Ooh. to be made about that, but anyway. Yeah, there really is, <laughs> right? But uh, we'll we'll save that for a Everyone TNG can day, I guess. On their own. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, but my point is, is that the reveal of this guy as the one who's been committing all these uh, assassinations was it was just kind of flat. It it, it, it fell mm. down a little bit at the end. I wish the character had had some more oomph to him. I wish he had been. I was yeah. I was the guy who ironed the shirts, like. Really? You're the guy? How did you get all this technical know-how? How are you able to operate with only right. one hand because the other one's all messed up? Why now? Well, Those questions were never apparently, answered. They're not. I mean, apparently he had just ample time to study and build things while he's out in exile in the Star Trek version of Tatooine. Right. I mean, I just... I didn't understand that at all. I was like, okay, you found him on some remote desert planet and he's just... And he's surrounded by technology. It's like, is the place inhospitable? Like, there are so many questions for that alone um, that are not answered. So, yeah, I do feel like considering the importance that this person had on the overall story, we do get remarkably little uh, about them. Yeah, his uh, most interesting character aspect is that he talks in the third person sometimes. He – the – the lady doesn't know that she lives in the darkness and that now she's in the light. Like that's what the reference of the darkness and the mm. light of the, of the title is. He keeps talking about Kira as a creature of the dark and he's a creature of the light and he's going to bring the baby into the light. So that it doesn't know darkness to be, and it, it gets all poetic, but I'm like, if I could have all of that cut and just get more about him, I'd be very happy. Unfortunately, I feel like that's where the episode kind of trips up at the end. It tries to give us some, I always say superficial characterization as opposed to the meat and bones kind of stuff. Now, maybe that's, maybe, you know, sometimes not having all the answers is part of the fun. You know, we can come with our own ideas where the character came from, why he's the way he is. But because we do know that, yes, he was someone hurt by a bombing that Kira was a part of, we know enough that we know he has a history with her. I just wish there had been more, like, were they going back and forth? Did they 
Did she know who he was? Was she someone that she had tried killing? No, he's just some guy. He's just some guy. And unfortunately, that's not as interesting. I mean, sometimes that's the point of the episode. It's like, yes, he was just some guy to her, but that's why he's biting her back, you know, coming back to her so hard and rebounded so badly because she didn't he's care about He's become fixated. Him. Well, it's more he's become hyper fixated right. to where she has all but forgotten. Exactly. You know, she's aware of the strike. She's aware, like when he mentions the name of the goal that he worked for, you know, she remembered instantly the strike, but he right. was just a casualty. Right. Now, uh, I do want to say real quick that the some guy that you're talking about is played by someone who is uh, quite the legend in the Star Trek uh, actor family. He is one of very few actors who has played um, five or more characters in uh, the Trek franchise. Okay. It's Randy Oglesby, and again, he's uh, he's played at least five characters. We actually saw him for the very first time in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Loud as a Whisper, which if those, those of you who have watched it, you'll know that's the episode where they had the mediator who was deaf, and he had his chorus the three people that followed him around and spoke for him in different intervals. One represented yeah. like his more rational side. One was his more passionate side. And one was kind of like, <laughs> I guess the bridge between the two. He was the, yeah, he was the, the rational voice, the smaller one of them. Um, he also played in, uh, we next saw him actually in deep space nine in a early on episode um, called Vortex, where he played the Miradorn twins who were trying to negotiate a deal with Quark, and um, one of them gets shot, and so then the, more, yes. the other Miradorn twin becomes like uh, hyper obsessed with the guy who killed him, and he and that's the right. guy who gives Odo the jail key, basically. Um, we see him here again as uh, the character's name is Sillerin Prin. Dude, that was like episode um, five. That was way early. Yeah. Of yeah, so, man. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then we see him here again. He comes back. He's then in a Voyager episode called Counterpoint, where he also plays a telepath. I think his character's telepath there. And then we see him twice in Enterprise in an early episode of Enterprise in like season one. He plays a an alien called Trenya, I think. And um, they're a really weird species who introduce a fascinating type of hollow technology and then later on we see him in much of like the latter part of season no much of season three right and then i think his character makes it into season four before he dies um but that was probably the longest running recurring role he had in trek and that was when he played a character called degra who degra is the basically the star trek equivalent of uh oppenheimer for his own manheim or his own Manhattan Project, in which he develops a weapon of mass destruction that is targeted at Earth, and uh, they are attempting to persuade him to not complete his design in the show. So, um, uh, an interesting run he's had on Trek, to say the least. I'll have to admit, like, when I found out that it was Oglesby who was playing Sillerin, I was surprised. His voice sounds completely different. The way he talks in the the cadence and everything else was completely different than any of the other characters he's been in Trek. And, and I know he does try to change his voice a little bit for certain characters, but typically he's quite recognizable. This is the first time I did not recognize him. So if I hadn't seen the name, I would not have known that was him. So they did a great job on that. And considering how little we get in the way of character development for Sillerin, um, I feel like Oglesby, Oglesby does 
a great job here. Um, tell me, did you pick up on any notes of um, notes? Uh, any similarities between the scenes with Kira and Silurin and Kira's scenes early on in that infamous duet episode back when, uh, uh, what was his name? Uh, the guy who was impersonating Goma set, I think. And he was the, and they were, you know, they had their back and forth in the jail cell, right? And so they're both season one, okay? Yeah, further back, okay. And he's trying to convince her, you know, the goal, the aging goal, is trying to convince her that you know the Bajorans are, you know, awful and whatever else. Uh And now here we have this same kind of, to me anyway, same kind of interaction going on both of these two kira and Silverman, respectively mm-hmm. trying to convince the other one why they're right yeah basically. well i mean now that you mentioned it i can see the parallels the only difference here of course is that you know this character was a Pirin. is that his name um Silurin prin is Silurin the character prin, okay. in this episode in darkness and the light yeah he uh like <sighs> The other guy was pretending to be the goal and was saying all that he said in order to kind of rile Kira up to kill him. Like he yes. Was, he was trying yes. to get himself uh, basically as a sacrificial lamb for everything the Cardassians. Goldar Heel. That was his name. Okay. And um, this Carol guy... Carol O'Connor. What's that? That was his name. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was going to happen. In the middle of the episode. Speaking of which, do you want to give uh, the the password real quick? The, okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's not Carol O'Connor. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not Carol O'Connor. I promise. Um, for tonight's episode, for the purpose of our contest, the key phrase will be "makara herbs." Those are the herbs that Kara had to take for the pregnancy. I figure it's quite fitting because yes. they were also key not only for the pregnancy but also. To saving her life later on in the episode. And a so sweet moment, middle, which I didn't mention during my recap. It was a sweet moment. We'll talk about it more. But anyway, going yes. back real quickly to the comparison of the Go episodes and the characters. They're talking past each other. But again, Kira's point is much better taken. These were not a benevolent, invading alien race. These were malevolent they as she says i didn't say it because i was trying to be kind of p pg but she said y'all raped the planet y'all raped bejor y'all were taking you spent 50 years raping our planet what did you expect exactly and for him to be all like oh but my arm or oh but my face at no point is he ever sympathetic at no point do you ever go well you know, he got real bad hurt, though. <laughs> you know. Yeah, he was like, he was like, but, but I didn't do that. You know yeah. what I you know, like? I, it, again, he completely skips over the atrocity and is very much focused on himself. Right. Yeah, sure. My entire species came to your planet and just brutalized your people for fifty years and took everything of value that we could, right. even the food out of your mouth. Sure, but you know what I did? Yeah. I ate shirts. I yeah. was a file clerk. It wasn't me that did it personally, but yeah. I was certainly living in 
relative luxury. Yes, you were a servant, but you weren't a Bajoran servant. Yeah. You probably had your own quarters. You probably had your own, you know, your food and whatever else was provided for you was, you know, nutritious, whatever. Because that was the whole point of the occupation. The Cardassian people were struggling. They were an empire that was on the verge of collapse. They needed the resources and they found these peaceful people in a dis- in a neighboring star system that they could exploit and they right. did side note to that point if you ever want to watch a video on the history of the occupation and the and the breakdown of it there is a great video on youtube that someone has put together it's about 10 minutes long and it's kind of done in that documentary style where it pieces together bits of trek uh history um, a lot of it starting in um, the next generation because we hear about the Cardassian Federation War and the Cardassians were at war with some other races as well. And it helps you to kind of put together a timeline of what was going on. Right. And so it's basically what you can, I mean, it's what you expect. Cardassians were fighting wars on multiple fronts and they lost. Right. So with that, and it was a spectacular loss, right. which devastated their economy. And so they needed an infusion of resources that they just didn't have. Right. So they went to where there were resources, and that's when they found the Bajoran people who were an agrarian based, very peaceful, very rural people who um, were you know spiritually inclined and so forth and they found them as easy pickets they had this lush green resource rich planet that the people had barely tapped into and the Cardassians were malevolent but they were also desperate so that's why the things happened the way that they did and uh, yeah the video goes into it you should look it up and all you have to do is just type in um, I think it's uh, the oppression of Bajor is what it's called. Okay. Um, and they do a, so yeah, they, I think, I feel like they do a great job and especially with the kind of tie-ins to both Deep Space Nine and, um, Next Generation and even some bits of Voyager because they talk about like the Maquis and the Resistance and things like that and there's some right. of that from Voyager as well. Go check it out. It's, it's well done for a 10 minute, <laughs> uh, fiction video there, uh, fictional history video. Is it a fan based version you're saying? It's fan based, uh, explanation? Yeah, the fans put it together. So, you know, you have to like take that with, you know, the grain of salt or whatever, but right. it's all like, but it's basically a giant clip show with a voice overlay. Got so it. not bad. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, again, I, I just wish this character, at the end, Prin here had just been somewhere like I like I make him a beige, a Bajoran who was a traitor to to Bajorans, and he had been like the target of assassination, and they they failed to kill him, and now he's he's been living on the planet, but he's an outcast this whole time, last five years, and so he decides his last thing is to go out with a bang or something. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, the first character who dies, the one who had become a Vedic. Lathe um, Maybrin. Yeah, he was, as Kira says, like he was one of the most violent ones back during the resistance. But now he's like trying to overcome that. He's like he's he's really changed. So like if 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 Prin here is all upset about who these people were, well, I mean at least this guy's trying to yeah. make his own version of atonement. Um, maybe not satisfying to you, fine, you know, but can't say he's just been like ah, I don't care. So. Yeah, if I had to, if I would critique their storytelling of this one, I would say that killing Latha first was the mistake because it 
if you listen to what Sillerin is saying to Kira towards the end, he's talking about how these people did these horrible things because they exist in this world of darkness and that they never move into the light. But the fact that Latha left all of that behind and became a spiritual person, dedicating himself to helping others and kind of serving in a sense of atonement, leading others through this. He's the perfect example of someone who lived a violent, dark life, who is now trying to live a better one. So his death should have been towards the end, which would have kind of helped to denote how unstable Sillerin was. Right. Um, and that would have that would have helped out, but I think that they you know they went with the shock value. But they, I mean, it, again, it could have been for the sake of the storytelling, it could have been anybody else in right. the resistance cell. For one, we don't know how many members of the Shakar resistance cell there are. They could have come up with literally anybody else. He could have been I don't know um, a farmer somewhere living on a distant part of a Bajoran moon or whatever, and he's just. One day his house blows up or something. And that would have been a nice explosive start to the episode. Right. Um, you know, they could have literally been anybody else. They didn't need to be the the priest, basically, who's kneeling in prayer, who's killed as our first go. Right. But I get why they were doing it. They were definitely going for a darker tone. Yeah. Uh, the shock value of that um, was, was kind of the point there. Right. But, yeah, that one is, I feel like it's the mistake. It's yeah. one of the mistakes. Well, it, it makes sense that this is a Cardassian character. Like, oh, I don't care about the Joran spirituality. Um, but that's yeah. again why I think it would have been it would have made more it would have been more of a gray zone, which is more fun. It, like maybe the character should have been a Cardassian Bajoran, you know, half and half, like the one Gold Ducat's daughter. That would have been oh, interesting. Like yeah, someone who like is torn between their two identities. Like, um, I was. You, I still. You thought you freed me. When you blew up that building, but you scarred me for life, and now I, I'm only good for the Cardassians. The Bajorans never accepted me. Maybe the Cardassians will accept me if I kill the former Resistance. But like something like that, that would have been. I still, I still think that it would have been great if they, if they were a Cardassian collaborator or a sympathizer. Yeah, still Cardassian, but just somebody who was passing information and you know, just again, just kind of showing that you know, Kira's group was. While they were diligent in their whatever, they were kind of short-sighted and not realizing how all these levels depended on each other to bring down the fall of this um, empire. That right. didn't just happen because of the sheer strength of the resolve of the resistance. That comes from people, many people on many levels, believing that this is wrong. Right. And you, can, you can't have a regime change like that without there being sympathizers on the other side helping you you just right. can't right so yeah yeah you yeah. can say that you've got spies and operatives who are passing you information but that means they would have had to have made contacts they would have had to persuade people convert people to their side to their cause right. you need people to do that and i mean we know that just based off of you know how our own our own society works right. and also how we i mean if you look at other you know television shows and movies and dramas and that's they when they feature these kind of like spy um storylines there's always a sympathizer somewhere right. that is kind of the linchpin in the plan you can have all the skill sets you want to but if you don't have somebody who's willing to talk to you to give you information you're you're only going to get so far <laughs> so yeah i mean right. that to me would have made this a much more complex and gripping story that right. he was somebody who was 
just as responsible, just as culpable, passing along information, leaving dead drops, even taking more risk. Because as a Cardassian, you know, to get, helping out the Bajorans, the ones that aren't, they don't even see as people. Right. And he's helping them. Right. And he's helping them to derail their progress, the Cardassian progress. I mean, absolutely, that would have made this story much more... Uh, gripping and again another shade of gray there right. it was too easy once the reveal of Sillerin happened and hearing his mindset it was too easy to be like yeah you're definitely the bad guy right you yeah know? yeah it was too on the nose yeah but uh yeah i feel bad i feel like i've kept coming back to that line of critique so we have more to talk about and we're already 15 we minutes in um so i quickly want to say before we move on, that um, and it's I'm not gonna say too much, but the Nemesis Games storyline that Naomi goes through as a Resistance fighter, formerly herself, I thought was kind of a fun tie in my own little in my own brain. Like these are two characters who had very save it. I'm, I am. I'm just save it's, it. It's, it's it, this is the episode to talk about this episode. Okay. And this episode we're bring that up. I'm not gonna talk about Naomi very much, other than to say Naomi has similar quandaries, but um, different. Her, her situation is different, so she has different moral uh, wrestlings to yes. go through. But um, I like. We'll that, get there. Yeah. I promise. Sure. I actually, I did, I did write a note like a, a while back about Kira and Naomi, yeah. and uh, so we'll get there. Good. Um, don't worry. I, I like, to, I like to know that we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's, you and me, buddy. That's nice. <laughs> yes, I like that. Um, but yeah, um, um, yeah, there. It's an important conversation to have. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the other thing I find, <laughs> I liked the idea that, uh, Kira is supposed to be taking these herbs and she doesn't like the, the medicine, herbs. they taste, taste bitter or whatever. And then her friends show up and they have a box of the legitimate leaves, not a synthesized version, but the real thing. Um, which by the way, those were just glorified bay leaves, people. <laughs> I just want you to know that. Because I know they flash the box basil, rather quickly, but, okay. but uh, no, as a as a as a trained professional, I'm going to tell you right now, those were bay leaves. And if you're if you doubt me, just go to your store, go buy a bag of bay leaves, and just look at it, and I, it's the exact same. They look just you're like that. You're saying that, that the uh, props department spent literally like next to nothing to make this little. <laughs> at the time in 1996 it probably cost them 38 cents now <laughs> to buy the same amount of bay leaves to adjust for inflation and probably yeah. uh, 125 dollars yeah. so I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um but yes it's the same also side tip a side note please do not eat the bay leaves you should not eat bay leaves anybody don't do it all right just don't take a whole bay leaf i know some people put them in soups and stuff but as a side note take it out don't eat it. It flavors. Okay? Yeah, leave it in, and then pull it out. Do not eat it. Okay. Little yeah. safety tip there. Yeah, but it was a sweet moment because I think those were the same actors who played those two yes. characters from the last season. The... Yeah, I recognize yes. them, even though they, they were are the same in people. One episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We they are seen the same Sh- people. Lupus and Ferro. Right. Um, we have not seen Sakar in a while. Uh, they right. there was. An attempt to have Shakar in this episode, but it was um, set aside due to budgetary concerns. Because mm. again, as we've said before, he's the first minister. If he comes up, if he's there, if he's featured, there has to be a reason, yeah. and it has to be a good reason. You can't right. just have him as 
window dressing. And I think that if you and I, and I thought about it, and I was like, if if he becomes involved, because it is the Shakar resistant cell that's being targeted, as far as they can tell. If he shows up because of this, he then does become the focal point, True. and um, it suddenly becomes less about protecting Kira and more about protecting the first minister right. and any potential assassination attempts. So I also think that for the sake of the story, I understand why it was put aside. Right. Right. I will say, though, part of me um, understands her relationship with Shakar a little better because if she ended up joining his resistance cell, which was his cell, apparently, it was the Shakar cell uh, when she was 13 and, like, it's already named after him, so he's he's a good... I mean, he must be at least, I'd say, 20 at best when she's 13, maybe older. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, he was... She was 13. He's probably early 20s, maybe a little bit older than that. Right. I don't know what it takes to, you know, start a resistance cell. Right. But um, I, w- I would assume that he was probably... He's probably in his early twenties. Right, uh, he's exactly. a hot, he's a hot shot. Right. He's probably already had a couple of quick strikes, which yes. have gotten him in trouble already. Right. So he really had no choice but to form a resistance cell. That's kind of how I always took yes. it. Um, even though we don't really get that backstory on him either. Right. Um, but I just took it as one of those situations. They right. were. But you know, I, they had I, the, it made sense to me more yeah. that like, oh, this character knew her when she was still a child, effectively, even though she was a teenager and growing up fast in this you know world of crisis. It makes more sense for him to not have been willing to cross that Initially, line until right. only last season uh, to go romantic with this character, uh, with Kira, that is. Um, so yeah. actually, it makes me understand him better and respect him a little bit. You know, he might right. have been attracted to this young hotshot girl, but he wasn't doing anything about that until they were both well into adulthood and they had a chance to both go their separate ways and then come back together. So, yeah. And it's interesting that you brought that up because the only other person who ever brought that up was Gold Ducat. Because I remember, because Gold Ducat said, "You were, yeah, we knew that you were a member of the Shakar resistance cell. In fact, you were one of one of few women that Shakar didn't conquer himself." Oh, and Kira right. says, "And Kira says, if that's what you guys kept up with during the occupation, it's no what wonder you lost, lost. Yeah. right?" Uh, but now we see that there's a bit more context to that. Yeah, she was 13. He was probably yeah, 20, 22, whatever, running around. Right. He didn't. I mean, the, and even she says that they just needed a body for the mission. She wasn't anything yeah. special or important. Sure. She was just filling a space. Right. So he probably wasn't paying attention to her. And then, you know, as she earned her bars, earned her stripes, you know, and came up through the ranks. Yeah, he became, you know, aware of her. But I still don't think that it would have been in his mind to cross into anything romantical with her right. until, you know, then they encounter each other years later. Right. She's a full... You know, she's she's a full adult. She's had a career now. She's, a you know, an important, influential person in the provisional government and in the military. Right. You know, so now he's looking at her in a different light, different exactly. perspective. So, yeah, that makes yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just I'm just I, mean, I liked him so much more than Benedict Barile. So I want I want that relationship. That's to not work hard. Out, but I know it's I know not it's hard not. at all. But I, I mean, I'm just I, I like this more cup more than I like Fedek Barile. <laughs> so I'm just Fedek yeah. Barile is boring. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, he yeah. is <laughs> boring. He was a rag for sure. Um, oh man, I almost fell asleep saying his name. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the other thing I just want to say is that scene where O'Brien, like she, she, O'Brien, had what was it? Um, O'Brien. She's talking with O'Brien, 
about the reprimand where she's having breakfast. Yeah, she had been pacing the night before because you know her friends had all been dying, and this is before her other friends had showed up on the station. Because uh, it turns out uh, Keiko and Molly are visiting uh, Keiko's parents. That's why they're not in the episode. Uh, but O'Brien had heard her pacing as so they were talking, and she's kind of anxious to like go off and find out who's doing all this. But he's like, "But you have someone here to take care of," and it just felt so patronizing. I was like, "Bro." I think she knows that she's got that she's pregnant but at the same time i also felt like why isn't she given birth to this kid yet i feel like like when she first got pregnant they were all like oh yeah but jordan's give birth in five you're gonna, months not nine you're gonna snap that baby out yeah. real quick don't worry been, yeah now it's like um excuse me she's been pregnant for like two years exactly like so come on, can we that thing out already. can we speed this up already because yeah, uh, rooting yeah. for print they'll be like yeah we're gonna get this done already <laughs> Well, and considering when, and considering that she had already suffered, like when uh, when Lupiza and Pharrell died, and she's charging down the hallway, beating up everybody. Yeah. So for a pregnant lady, she is knocking people out. I she did took think out that three, was hilarious. Three guards, and not in the same way. <laughs> right. And then she she has the laceration, which the Bashir later repairs. Right. And then later on in the episode, we see Sillerin shoot her, and she falls and lands. Face down, uh, oh, I was yes. like, uh, "That baby should have shot out of there," <laughs> uh, you know. But uh, I was like, "Yeah, why hasn't she had this baby yet?" Now, I do believe that the behind-the-scenes thing was basically this was giving her because we know that she had given birth to her own son right. um, yes. several weeks prior to this. I think so. I yeah. think this was a way of kind of giving her a chance to. Um, heal up and you know kind of get herself into you know back to good again so by allowing her to keep this pregnancy belly thing going for a while it was a, a way to, for, to ease her back into into work right. so I, I like that they did it for that reason because I mean again these the schedules back then were a lot different they're filming again 24 to 26 episodes a season sometimes they were doing you know 18 hour days to get this done right and, you know, when you have a main character like her who is now off because she's pregnant and then having the baby and coming back, I bet you that's a heck of a transition for them to make. Right. And, uh, but they did it. They did it. And they find, they find ways to incorporate it into the show and into the story, yeah. which I always love. So yeah. I think they did a great job with that. But, yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem like your five months is up, lady. Yeah. I'm going to need to see that kid. <laughs> Post-haste. in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, and her beating up guys. It's like even uh, the, the the one Bajoran guard who gets uh, taken out in the O'Brien uh, quarters. It's such an ineffective guard. Yeah, that guy's he keeps getting beat up right, right. away. <laughs> you got you went into the quarters before her. The lights were on. You had your weapon, and you got taken out by this woman and a one-armed man. Yeah, well, it's funny. Too, what kind of security guard are you? Search. He just walks in the room. Doesn't like. Looks around, not even at all, and then says, "All right, Kira, <laughs> we're good. Yeah. Come on." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, did you check the? Did you check, the, did you check be, either or, room? O'Brien and Odo would both be super pissed. Be like, "That's my quarters." Oh, yeah. and Odo would have been like livid, and Dwarf man, all three of them would have had that guy's, you know, bad by the end of the day. Yeah, but yeah. 
Anyway, I mean, it makes for a compelling scene. You know, cut to black, commercial, what's going to happen next? Um, well, then he's the one who also grabs Kira from behind and tries to restrain her from going in. Yeah. And she just completely bodies him. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, and just, and I'm like, dude, like, go to the gym. Yeah. You, you've been taken out now by this woman, this one-armed man, and now a pregnant lady. Like, you do not need to be in security at all. You need to go work with Rom in maintenance because right. you're just – you're terrible. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just – and, I mean, the number of security guards that are around, like, he's walking, and then as we – you see the two Federation security guards, and then when they come around the corner, there's a couple more posted up right. uh, down the hall. It's like, y'all – I mean, she's getting, like, president-level – uh, security treatment here, and yet somehow Pharrell and Lupiza are still able to beam into the quarters. Right. And I'm like, well, no wonder y'all got blown up later, because apparently no one checks the outside of the station. Yeah. This thing's just out there Even scanning the until it found a window. Was apparently useless. Which I have to say, that makes me, as you just pointed out, it's like, yeah, like not only did they beam aboard all by themselves, but this guy managed to kill them with a simple rope remote control device that blew like yeah they blew they call them the, the seeker probes yeah yeah i mean yeah and like there's the it's whole, super small and yet it's incredibly impactful yeah and then he's also got the lady that was transported up he tagged her so that the transporter doesn't work right and it's specifically designed so that the federation transporter which is supposed to be the latest and greatest in standard state-of-the-art technology or whatever right. didn't Skin. Yeah, I feel like whoever programs Star Trek technology, Starfleet technology, is they're they're geniuses, but they're also like they lack basic common sense because there's just no way. Like so many so many little things tick off, and you're like, even I know there should be a virus antivirus scan for that. Like that, <laughs> that wouldn't happen if you had Norton. I guess right. I don't know. Yeah, it, um, it, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's the whole reason why the character is also. I feel kind of. A letdown the end of the episode because it's like who is this guy how did he get all the te- technological information especially if he started off as like a servant of, of some kind like his, well, his guess... skill level really really you know grew over the last five six years well i guess you don't need it if your target's a federation because apparently all of their software is open source <laughs> so you can just do whatever the hell you want to. that actually makes so... sense yeah it's open source oh. yeah Jesus Christ! Uh, but, I'm gonna need y'all to, you know, stop using those Linux systems and get something for real. <laughs> close all this down. Close out all these the loopholes. 24th century already. Come on now. Right. Um, the, uh, I mean, hell, have you seen some of their screens? They're still running DOS on those things. The 24th <laughs> century. I'm gonna need you to upgrade. Yeah, yeah. When uh, it's always funny to watch everyone uh, press buttons on the on the screens because I noticed it with Kira doing it when she had her tablet. She was getting it from Odo's thing. And she's using she's all so her emphatic. fingers. She's she, so yeah, she's, she's really uh, pressing. Uh, and, and every like Dax when she was at her screen where Nog was helping her out, she's pressing buttons. And then and then this guy, the print guy he, on the Cardassian console, like those buttons are like huge button looking things. They are. And they they don't are. Press yeah, those it all. Are buttons. He just touches it. And man, I was just laughing because, like, again, part yeah, of acting like, is you... selling it, and they they sell right. it. They really press those buttons. I'm doing it's something like, with all you... this. But yeah, it's like, why would you have such a huge raised button that you barely have to touch? Right. Like, I mean, yeah, he just kind of ran his finger across it or whatever, and they did it. But you know who the worst at it was in this episode? Who? Cisco. Yeah. When when uh, her friend Fala calls. 
on the right. station. Uh-huh. And they're saying how they can't isolate the signal because she uses some kind of scrambler or whatever. Right. If you watch Cisco's hands, he's got his fingers spread out and he's like delivering his techno whatever. Uh-huh. Right. And his hands, his fingers are like dancing above <laughs> it. Like they're not making contact with anything. And he's just kind of... <laughs> Doing this number, and I'm like, dude, I need to go back and just, watch that. just put your hand, yeah. put your hands down. Yeah, he's like, she's using some kind of carrier. We're like, man, stop right there. <laughs> put your hands down. All right, put your hands Brooks, down. You, can, you fail. You can cry on command if we need you to, but your hand motions here, man. Cutting the, cutting the... You you've clearly never used a touch screen in your life, bro. Just <laughs> put that Early down. Early '90s touch screens suck. <laughs> I guess so. Man, it was it was awful, yeah. absolutely well, awful to watch. Well, that's actually kind of what I'm getting at. When, when Kira was doing it, like I was thinking, yeah, it's pretty common nowadays to have like an, a, a touchpad. I have an iPad. I've I've been in stores where like the whole idea is I'm the hoity-toity uh, salesperson and I have a pad just of some kind. So oh I, god, yeah. yeah, I was I was uh, using as a as quick aside. I was using a um, Apple tablet today an ipad i have no experience with apple technology whatsoever i don't like apple technology i much prefer android you can say whatever you want i feel like android is better i feel like it's more versatile but whatever (laughs) anyway so i was using the the uh, tablet today and i was trying to get it to do certain things and it was frustrating as hell because it was just not working and then and all i was trying to do really was turn it off and so, um, you know, I was pushing the buttons to try to get it to turn off, and it kept saying, you know, slide to turn off, and I kept sliding, and nothing was happening, and it just kept saying it over and over again, slide to turn off, slide to turn off, and I'm like, I'm sliding, it's not working, I was so frustrated, and then I, it turned out that it had been set up um, for um, a blind person, so instead of using the slide everything on there is a is a tap feature so in my frustration i was like it just won't turn off and then it turned off <laughs> you did it right <laughs> and i was like fine fine yeah. so but uh yeah i know that people love him and swear by him and whatever else i just can't can't do it steve jobs i think he snowed an entire generation and a half on on his technology and I guess it will ultimately take someone probably having to demonstrate it to me and maybe even me working with it for a little while before I even come around. But as far as I'm concerned, for the versatility, the programmability, and for the effectiveness, you can't beat Android. So Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, we're here. Okay, so <laughs> um, as, a, as a last minute, we, there's one one scene I want to talk about. A nice little lighthearted moment in this otherwise dark episode. Between and that is Worf Jackson. and Jatsia yes. on say, the we runabout. Yeah, 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 yeah. The chemistry between these two is amazing. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. It's getting better. Uh, Jatsia is, you know, we're getting more of her. I don't know if they just have always decided that she needed to have some kind of, like, partnership. Because, like, her scenes with, with Cisco are great. You know, and when she's kind of having to do things by herself, not so much. But then when she does things with like Julian or Quark or now uh, Worf, it's it's much better. 
So, of course, in this scene, we see the two of them. They're on the runabout. They're coming back from Starbase 63. They're going to swing by Bajor to pick up uh, Kira's friend. And in the meantime, they're having a little conversation about how Jadzia has lost a Tongo match to a three-time champion of Tongo. And now she owes two bars of Latinum, which if you know anything about the economics of the future, and in this case, Deep Space Nine, Gold press latinum is the thing. Right. Um, latinum is a um, is a, a rare element that is encased in the gold, and that's how they use it in the exchange rate of currency. Right. So a whole she lost two bars. So think of that as again two gold bars full of latinum. Right. She's lost, right. yeah. And now she has to pay back, and she's asking Worf. Or she tried to ask Worf. And he cut her off it. so quick. He cut her off quick. <laughs> She's like, uh, Worf, no. <laughs> Fine, I'll go ask Quark if he'll lend it and to And then me. we get, and we get a new rule of acquisition. Number 111, says, yeah. Remember rule of acquisition number 111. Treat people in your debt like family. Exploit them. <laughs> Loved it. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> love it. The the Ferengi rules of acquisition are as much informative as they are hilarious. Yeah. So I mean, they're just they're just great. And I would love to hear some stories about some of them. But that one, I don't think you need a story for. Right. It's pretty much all there. Yeah. But I love the shocked look on her face that Worf, of all people, Mister I hate Ferengi, <laughs> is telling her I a rule of acquisition of the Federation. Of course, I know. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love that. I am a graduate of Starfleet Academy. I know many things. That's what he says. That was a great <laughs> line. Great moment. Uh, I'm trying yes. to remember what other character in, in fiction has said something like that. I I am whoever. I know many things. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of it later, but um, <laughs> great little moment. Yeah. Oh, there, there's... What else was there? Oh, another little uh, Trek trivia moment that I remembered from this episode. Kira, when Lupus and Pharrell die, and the bombing happens in the O'Brien's quarters, uh-huh. if you listen to what Dax says as to where they're located, she says there was a bombing. Right. Deck, uh, what, what was it? 41? Section f- 15, Section 21 Alpha, I believe is what she says. Okay. Um, if I'm correct, if I remember this number, the, the, the correct number there, I believe that's the same deck listing for when Kirk dies, or quote-unquote dies, in the Star Trek Generations movie. Oh. He was on Deck 15, Section 21 Alpha, when the whole breach occurs and blows him into space. Yeah. And then I believe they say the same thing in this episode. That's where the O'Brien's quarters were located now. I'll have to go back and double check that. I'm pretty sure that's what they said, unless they didn't say deck five or didn't say deck 15, but said deck five. But that would be the only difference. Everything else was the same section 21 alpha. I do remember that. So, um, but yeah, it just stood out in my head that that's what happened. And, um, or that was what they, that was what they said. So there you go. If I'm correct, then great. If not, (laughs) forget I said that. Gotcha. So, yeah, that, that scene was pretty funny, but it was also, bookended with probably the most horrifying death I've seen in Star Trek short of the first contact movie we just talked about. My goodness, but dying in a transporter beam failure like that, she... Oh my god. Yeah, like they she had... like melted. Charred body ribs exposed. That was the most graphic yeah. body I've she ever was seen. Like, glistening. She was like glistening with 
goo. Yeah, like eye sockets her. were empty and ah, hair all was over the place. Awful. Yeah, I, I was like, I was like, did they and like did they cook her? Yeah, like I was trying to figure it out too because like at one point she does like there's smoke coming out. Yeah. I was like, is that coming out of her body or is it the machine malfunctioning? And yeah. then yeah, we're just left with this smoking black cracked yeah uh, carcass. Awful. Yes. That is the second time that we have seen a transporter death in Trek history, though. Um, the first time was in the movie uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Two officers died on the transporter pad. Right. And it was also kind of the same. They melted on the pad and then uh, they didn't they didn't show anything, though. They just we see them kind of in the beam of light malforming and right. they're screaming and they're writhing in pain and then it disappears and, and it cuts to Kirk and he's talking to the person that was down on the planet right. where they were beaming them up from and the guy says what we got back didn't live long fortunately <laughs> so and cut yeah that's it so yeah. um, well I, oh. I just have to say this this dead body reminded me uh, first off of course first contact with the Borg kind of mutilating the humans that they assimilate. I was like that's that was pretty and it was it was it was done well in first contact where like it was disgusting but like it was also done in such a way that like you didn't focus on it too much. Whereas in this episode, it felt like they like had Bashir working on that body like he covers it up at one point like we got to see that that was something happened like she died. yeah because it went to commercial break and then when it comes back from commercial break it does like we it's uh we see Kira walk in and then she turns into the body and then the camera angles yes. down and, like, the ribs and it's like we're right the over the ribs and of course yeah, that made like, me oh. think of uh Galaxy Quest when they tried beating aboard the creature and it, it, the big creature, yeah, and, it and it explodes. explodes. And then it exploded. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's uh, great, It's not calibrated for alien life forms yeah. on Galaxy Quest, which is just hilarious. Uh, I love that movie. We still haven't talked about that one. We need to watch it, do it after dark on Galaxy Quest at some point. We do, um, especially since we've already seen Generations in First Contact. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about the actors, the Star Trek actors' reaction to galaxy quest because uh there were some so um yeah we could do that as well we have a lot of content we're going to be able to give you besides just uh d space nine of course um but is there anything else about this episode that you would like to talk about or say that you feel like we have not said no it was it was fun seeing nog being a cadet and he's 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 proficient it's fun seeing Mm -hmm. him grow as a character after again on the first episode he was a thief on the station now he's a young cadet helping solve mysteries. Yeah, so we're so don't forget the reason that Nog is there. He is on his um, field study, as we found out from a couple an episodes, two episodes ago, the ascent. Um, that's why he's on the station now, and we get to see him as a recurring cast member helping out, uh, of course. So I'm sure we'll get more of that in uh, the future. Right, and. Um, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for us, So, um, for this episode anyway. So, I do want to just close it out with a couple of quick things. Um, one, by the time you listen to this episode, we will be in the new year. So, of course, Happy New Year. Yep. And I hope that whatever resolutions you make, they're ones that you feel like you will challenge you, but are ones that you can, of course, attain. 
So uh, there's that. Also, um, don't forget to enter into the contest. Again, the reminder is you have to list the key phrase that was used in both this episode and last week's episode, Rapture. You have to put the comment in. You have to put it in the comment on the video, right. not just in our chat that we have here, but in a comment on the respective video. Right. You must do both. I'm not going to tell you what the one was from last week. Go watch the episode. Leave your comment there. This one, the con, uh, the phrase is Makara Herbs. Okay, so that's it. I can say it anymore. All right, <laughs> do that, and then in two weeks we'll do the drawing because next week we have the airing of our After Dark episode, so that'll be out, and then the week after that we will be back with our regular programming, the next episode in our in our series, and then we will be towards the end of the month doing our. Um, are after dark for the expanse uh, book five and season five so lots to look forward to coming from us and uh, i hope that you enjoy it all and as always you can find us and follow us anywhere that you happen to do your social medias you can listen to us anywhere you happen to listen to podcasts i do it on spotify so until next week guys take care of yourselves thanks guys <laughs>